What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson, alongside my co-host Jim Eikenhofer of Pelicans.com. Now just a couple days away from the 2021 or the 2021 NBA draft, whoever you may call it, as the Pelicans hold the 10th spot in the NBA draft and holding the number seven spot is the Golden State Warriors. That's where we are in our NBA draft preview. And we're pleased to welcome back Tim Roy, who's been on before. He's the radio voice of the Golden State Warriors. Tim, I appreciate the time. How are you? I'm good, and thank you for having me. It's, uh, you know, the, if uh, you're not playing in the, the playoffs or the finals, the, the uh, two uh, most exciting days of the year are the draft and trade deadline day. And so uh, I think we're going to have a very exciting draft week, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun for the fans because – you know, this draft has so many variables and the Warriors are one of them because they have two picks in the lottery. Orlando has two picks in the top eight. So I think there's going to be a lot more phone calls going back and forth than a normal draft. And we'll get to that in a second. I completely agree with you. Um, but let's start with pick number seven if they do choose to keep it. And again, we'll talk about that in just a few moments. Where might the Warriors look when it comes to pick number seven? It's, is it a specific position or is it a skill set or an attribute of a certain player? How would they approach number seven right now? Well, you, you would think, and again, uh, you know, I do work for the Warriors, but mm. I'm not in the war room and nor does Bob Myers have me on speed dial. Uh, <laughs> but, but I, you know, if you look at the Warriors, they're in the really uh, odd position right now because they have two picks in the lottery. You know, most teams would say, Hey, that's great. Just get a couple of guys that can help us. And, you know, down the road, but the Warriors have a window that's closing their big three, the Curry, Clay Thompson, and the Draymond Green are now past 30 and Clay's coming off two horrific injuries. So they have a window that's closing. They need to find a way to be, you know, uber competitive, if you will, right away. So what does that mean for the draft? I think it means that they probably take a more NBA ready player than someone that projects down the road. So I think, I don't, I don't think, you know, the position is as important as can this guy help us right away? I think that's the kind of player they're looking for. So you might see the Warriors going after maybe a guy that's played four years of college, as opposed to maybe a, a freshman uh, simply because they might think, well, no, this guy's more mature. He might be better at, you know, getting ready for uh, a year with Steph, Clay and Draymond. So they're in a different spot. I think if you look at their needs, there's no question they need to get longer, bigger. Uh, they're in a division that has two teams that have a lot of length, the Lakers and Clippers, and they're going to have to play those guys four times. Plus they got the Phoenix Suns, the Western Conference champions in their division as well. So I, I think, you know, they're probably looking to get, you know, bigger and longer and by bigger, not necessarily a center, but, you know, bigger at maybe a guard spot, bigger at a wing spot so that they can, you know, continue to do the things they love to do on defense, switch and have guys who can guard multiple positions. Before I get to Jim, it seems like you mentioned that window um, with, with those big three and Clay, Steph and Draymond. With that being said, with the luxury of having two lottery picks, could you see potentially the Warriors being active? with either of those picks or, or both of those picks just to maybe solidify them getting back to where they were before the, all the injuries hit with, with Clay and Steph and Draymond. Yeah. I think it's, it's really a situation where they're going to, you know, have, uh, you know, all possibilities. I think uh, there's, I don't think they're wed to picking number seven and number 14. I don't think they're averse to that because I think, you know, this draft kind of as all drafts, do they have, you know, plateaus and, and, and layers, if you will. So I think, 
I think they'll, they'll be trying to make some sort of move, whatever, whatever the best option is. If it's trading those picks for a veteran player, if it's selecting a guy, I, I think they're, they're open to any, any solution for what they see is, you know, trying to get this team back into the hunt, you know, for an NBA title. Tim, one of the real unfortunate things that happened to the Warriors, obviously, last year was Clay Thompson's season-ending injury happened right before the draft. So all of a sudden, you have to pivot in terms of, you know, what the roster looks like, what kind of stuff you're capable of. But I, I was wondering, um, what, what did you think of just the kind of the development of some of the younger players on the Warriors through, over the course of the season? For example, we saw Golden State towards the tail end of the regular season – and there was a game where Jordan Poole had 38 points and Michael Mulder had 28. And it just seemed like it was those guys, the Warriors were sitting a bunch of their veteran guys. It was those players that really won the game for Golden State against the Pelicans. So, I mean, what did you think overall of maybe some of the steps that they made and how there may, may have been some silver lining of being able to get some of the younger guys on the court? Yeah, you know, it was, a uh, again, another kind of a weird year. Uh, I think they're one, one of the most exciting, barely above 500 teams I've ever seen. You know, yeah. Steph having his great year. But uh, I think what they found, they found, I think, two guys that they're comfortable moving forward with as part of the team, part of the rotation. Jordan Poole was one. He definitely made a step, made a step last year. Beginning of the year, he was struggling just like he did in his rookie season. They sent him down to the G League bubble. He played down there. He played well. And basically, you know, the 10 games or so he got down there boosted his confidence. He came back with a, a better resolve. He came back more assured about himself. And he works very hard. He's always in the gym. I know we hear that a lot in the NBA, but when Steph and Draymond mention it in their post-game press conferences, he got a pretty good idea that, that he's in there working hard. So uh, I, I, I think they may have found something with him. The other guy is Juan Toscano Anderson, and they've signed him to a two-year deal. You know, I, I think, you know, last year he was part of the eight-man rotation that Steve Kerr stuck with coming down the stretch, and they played, that's where they played their best basketball. But I think they're very comfortable having him as a, you know, eight, nine, or ten guy you know, to come off the bench. He, he plays very well with Steph and Draymond. Uh, he knows when to release off a screen, when to cut, when to move the ball. And so uh, he works very hard. Now, for him, his NBA career will be dictated on how he improves his shot. It looked a lot better the end of last season than it did the year before. And so if he can continue to get better with his shot and just be a threat. He doesn't have to be a scorer. He has to be a threat. And if he can do that, then he's going to play more. Cause quite honestly, he's a great hustle player and he, he, uh, he doesn't complain. He he's worked for this. And so, um, and, and he gets to play in his hometown. So I think all that together, I think, you know, they found a guy that's going to help them in the future. I mentioned clay Thompson's injury, which obviously was devastating for the Warriors, but I think for basketball fans and media, Everyone loves watching that guy play and can't wait to see him back on the court. What's the latest of, is in terms of his, you know, rehab and his ability maybe to get to be back for next season. They, they, they're optimistic. Uh, I think he was starting or he's getting close to starting to run. I think I read that somewhere. Uh, and, and, you know, the one thing about clay that he has going for himself is that if, if indeed he's lost something and you can't imagine he, you know, losing a, 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 an ACL and an Achilles tear, uh, 
<clears throat> the body's not uh, designed to get through both of those consecutively. But in today's world with the training and, and the, you know, the uh, surgery, uh, surgical procedures much better than they were, say, 20 years ago, then, you know, optimistic. But the one thing you can hang your hat on is, it, is if he's not, you know, uh, the clay we saw before, he, he is going to be able to shoot. And, and in this game, he can he can park himself on a weak side and get the ball skipped to him. And that ball, you know, he, that shot's going up and it's going to go up with his perfect form. And so, yeah, I'm very excited for Clay to get back because, I mean, he's he's the quintessential gym rat. If Clay wasn't playing NBA basketball, he'd be down at the park. He'd be at the Y. He would be going wherever he could find a pickup game and and just do that all day, then go home and talk, talk to his dog and, and, ha, you know, have a good night. But, uh, he, uh, he really is, you know, he was born to play in the NBA. And so, uh, hopefully he gets back and has a nice run. And I th- you're right. I think he's also good for the league because there's not a guy in the league that dislikes clay. You know, everybody loves clay. He's just got that personality. One, one last thing for me, kind of a different topic. I, I was curious, um, the Warriors and the Pacers were the two teams that were got to play multiple games in the play-in round. Obviously, it didn't go the way that you guys wanted it to, You're, even though they were very two very competitive games that were played against the Lakers and the Grizzlies, just great games, memorable games. But having gone through those games and, and being part of the play-in round, which is something the Pelicans obviously wanted to do but were, weren't capable of reaching, um, what, what were your thoughts about the play-in round and the play-in format? Was it something that you liked as far as just – the element that it added to the, to the end of the regular season. And then obviously the games that you got to play in that. You know, it's funny um, when they initially announced that I was kind of skeptical of it. And, but now having gone through it, you know, the, the Warriors would have qualified as the eight seed. Okay. That's fine. But, but, you know, think about, you know, the Pelican situation, you guys were talking playing coming down the stretch and, uh, probably for maybe a week or two longer than you would have talked about playoffs. And so you had on in each conference, three or four teams. I mean, Sacramento was still in the hunt with a month to go and they were having a tough season. So I think, I think what it does is it really stirs up a good deal of interest and it makes the games more valuable, more meaningful, and it's going to discourage tanking. You know, if you have a chance to get to a playing game and make some money off a playoff series, hey, you're going you're gonna to try for that, right? And everybody wants to win. So you want that experience. So I, I, I really like it. I think it's good. The, the only caveat I would put in there, which I lo- would love to see them do, is if I think there should be a limit. And by a limit, I mean if the seventh seed is, say, five, six games better than the eighth seed. Is it really fair to put them in a play-in situation? And, and also if the eight seed is, you know, is, you know, wins by six or seven games, whatever number you want to pick, I think they, they should probably scrap the play-in for that season. I just think it, you know, I don't think it's fair to a team that has outperformed everybody else by a, a significant amount uh, and force them to go into jeopardy as opposed to a team that maybe is only ahead by two or three games. So I wish, I hope they find a number, whatever it is, seven games, 10 games, whatever it is, and say, okay, but if you're seven games up on the team below you, uh, you don't have to play in that play-in game because you've proven that you're better than the teams below you. I agree with uh, with that, Tim, as far as, you know, the gap between seven and eight, maybe eight and nine, I think that could be something they can add 
um, if they continue to do this past this next season. But before I let you go, uh, look, we talked about a little bit last week when I was on your, your mock draft show, uh, and Willie Green has been announced as the coach and will be speaking later today in a press conference on pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app. But um, before COVID and while Willie Green was in Golden State, obviously in San Francisco, you guys uh, were able to, you know, talk to him, interact with him. He spent three seasons with Golden State, two of those during championship runs. Uh, what can you say about Willie Green and what he will bring to the Pelicans? You're not going to meet a better guy, a more gracious man, and uh, just genuine than than Willie Green. You know, um, you guys have Monty Williams down there, and they're they're a lot alike in that way. You know, they're they're genuine. What you see is who he is, and, and um, I think he's a really smart basketball guy. He he understands, but I think I think what will be his biggest strength is I think he'll be able to relate to those players and to talk to them and communicate with them on what needs to be done for the Pelicans to be a better team. And I think that's going to be his his big strength. I think he's going to be able to get those guys on on the same page and get them moving in the right direction. And I, I think it was a, a great hire by the Pelicans. I can't say enough good things about Willie Green because, you know, he's, he's quiet, but he's not, but his mind's always working. And, and so, um, you know, he's going to, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, in the situation where you guys are right now with the young talent that you have in that roster, I think it's a great hire. That's great to hear. And, and you're not the first person to echo those statements regarding Willie Green. So we're definitely excited um, to be introduced by him and hear him talk for the first time today uh, later on at the Pelican practice facility. Tim, I really appreciate the time. Just a couple of days away. And uh, as I talked to you last week, I'm hoping to see you this year. Jim and I are ready to get to San Francisco um, and enjoy that beautiful arena and that beautiful city of yours. And we hopefully will see you soon, my friend. Yeah, hope. Hopefully we'll see you guys soon. It's going to be, um, hopefully we're all back on the, on the road as much as I don't like to pack a bag and get on an airplane. It's always great to, uh, to see the cities and, and to see you guys and to talk and, and, you know, get some of that great gumbo down in new Orleans and I'll be, I'll be all set. Absolutely. Tim Roy radio voice of the golden state warriors with us here on the Pelicans podcast. There he goes, Tim Roy, radio voice of the Golden State Warriors radio network. As we wrap things up on this Tuesday morning, we're taping this very early because, again, 11 a.m. Central Time, Willie Green will be announced and officially welcomed as the new, newest coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. You can watch it live on pelicans.com or the mobile app. And, again, we'll have plenty of reaction, and you'll sure hear from Willie himself later on down the road on pelicans.com as well. And, and I know we were talking about the draft here, Jim, but – Again, for the second time during one of our podcasts, Dante Marcatelli echoed some of the same sentiments that, that Tim shared today as far as Willie Green in relationships with players. And I feel like that's what kind of sticks out about what we're hearing about him, and that should be um, welcomed with open ears uh, for Pelicans fans. Definitely. I think at some point, whether it's me or maybe the Pelicans PR department, we're, need to, we're going to need to put together some kind of Willie Green tree where we can connect him to all of these different relationships that he has. I mean, he played for a lot of a bunch of different teams and now he's coached for two teams that have been extremely successful. So um, it would be really interesting to kind of sit down with him and, and figure out all of the connections as far as it just seems like there's so many guys that know him and have played with him. Um, Monty Williams was an example. I didn't even realize until um, kind of further down the road that Willie Green and him were teammates together um, I wrote about Jason Smith being teammates with Willie in Philadelphia and here in New Orleans. Like you said, we've had two uh, podga podcast guests 
in a row who have a connection to Willie Green because they were around him. So the, the number of people that have some kind of understanding of what he's like is actually extremely high. There were a bunch of players that tweeted congratulations around, around the NBA, including from Golden State specifically, Steph Curry, and then Sean Livingston as well, who's retired from Golden State but was part of those championship teams as well. So there's a big Willie Green fan club around the league, that's for sure. And I'm sure there'll be plenty more here in the next few years with New Orleans. Hopefully that is the case. But again, he'll be introduced this morning as the newest head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. Jim, just a couple of these to go as far as draft previews go, which means we're closer and closer to Thursday night. We'll check in with the Sacramento Kings tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we'll get a broad perspective on the NBA draft. And who knows where some of these teams might be picking by Thursday. I'm sure the deals and the moves will, will start happening before. If not, I feel like this year draft night should be very interesting. And I think we say that every year. Sometimes it gets quiet, but it just seems like the way things are going that there could be a lot of activity, which will make it a lot of fun for us come Thursday night. Jim, I appreciate the time. We'll talk to you tomorrow, my friend. Sounds good. Big thanks to Tim Roy again. And for Jim, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.